Welcome and hello. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, today, we have uh, a guest joining us from, uh, of all places, Amsterdam. In just a moment, Grant Trahant will be with us. He is the founder of Cause Artist. I'd also like to remind you that you can email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. You can uh, find us online, of course, and social media. We usually like to post our up-and-coming guests there. You can see what we're up to. Uh, this is Heartstock. In just a moment, Grant will be with us and tell us all about what he is up to. Hello again. I'm Carol Murphy, your host. This is Heartstock Radio. And um, Daniel Hogan is in the studio. Thanks for being there, Daniel. We appreciate you greatly. And today our guest is Grant Trahant of Cause Artist. He, he is doing many, many things, Cause Artist just being one of them. Hi, Grant. Hello, how are you? Oh, just great. A little <laughs> chillier this morning. We were talking about the weather earlier, and we have finally gotten some normal Montana weather, which is a bit of a relief. It was, it was very freakishly warm. And uh, you're speaking with us from Amsterdam, is that right? Yeah, well, it's it was very freakishly not sunny. It's a very uh, dark and damp city uh, in the wintertime. So I'm experiencing that for the first time. But hmm. it's uh, it's good spirits. It's good spirits, though. So. so you have a whole heck of a lot of going on <laughs> in your life. <laughs> um, can you kind of... Give our listeners a little intro as to what you were up to there. Sure. So uh, at the moment, run causeartist.com. So I've, I've been doing that for the last eight years now. It turned eight in November uh, of this year. So it's really been quite of a journey. And, and through that, I've produced you know, tons of content around how do we use business in a different way for for good, right? To to use business as a as a force as a force to make better make better things in the world. How we make things in the world, um, distribute you know economic freedom a little more. A, a bunch of different ways on, on how you know we can use business and and shopping. Really using our consumer dollars to shop better is really sort of what it was found foundationally what it was what it was for. Um, through that, we've done. I've done thousands of pieces of content. We I have two podcasts now. Um, you know, one features other entrepreneurs in the space. You know how they build their businesses, right? What's the mission behind it? What problem are they trying to solve through the products that they're creating? And then the other one is is talking with investors in the space and, and how they look at investing in in good, right? Investing in impact is is much different. Getting that perspective of not just investing in things to, to make money necessarily, but how to invest in nature properly, like how to invest in products that um, create change and create impact in the world that, you know, perhaps hasn't been looked at that before from an investor lens. So I kind of tackle both sides of the spectrum and kind of bring those together on cause artists and, and kind of just cover the world of trending topics around sustainable fashion and impact investing and, you know, Anything that has to do with with business as a force of good and how the the world is changing through a business lens and through 
through commerce and how we all can affect the world through how we shop and spend our dollars is, is a really, really big deal. Um, so we just try to navigate that um, and all the ins and outs of that in this you know global economy that affects us all. Was there an event in your life that kind of was pivotal that influenced you to go down this path in life? What happened and, and how did you get so passionate and interested in this topic? Yeah, it's it's a it's a good question. I think we we all of a sudden we wake up and we kind of you kind of get slapped in the face of like, dang, this is what I want to do for for the rest of my life, right? It, I'm fortunate enough to sort of find, found that, and you know, I had a, a really just crazy odd journey and, and bounced around a lot and had to learn a lot on my own about a lot of different things. Uh, but you know, a big thing that happened in in my life was Hurricane Katrina. And I was living in Kansas City, Missouri at the time, and I had gone back for my 21st birthday. After I came back, I was living in Kansas City for about 10 months, almost a year. And then I came back for my 21st birthday back to New Orleans. And, uh, you know, I had a great time and really missing everybody there and, you know, kind of made the decision that I was going to come back. Well, two weeks later, Hurricane Katrina hit and, you know, life changed for for everybody, Right. It's uh, it's a, it's it's weird when you have everybody you've ever known lost everything they've ever had. It's a really weird feeling, but everybody went through it together, so it was a collective. It was a collective trauma. Um, but through that, so you're from con- from New Orleans, Louisiana. Yep, uh, that's yep. your your birthplace. How how old were you when yeah. you left New Orleans? I was 18 when I left. Okay. Um. And bounced around a little bit and then found my way to, to Kansas City, Missouri uh, via a friend that lived there. A- anytime something like that happens, you, you sort of sort of perhaps look at like, you know, maybe why it happened. Right. And kind of what are the, the things that occurred that that maybe could have been avoided. And I think when I went down that road and, and looking at things you know, it was really just a lack of a, a lot of things. Um, really, you know, allocating taxpayer dollars efficiently, right? To to build, you know, efficient levies and correct levies. And ironically, I moved, you know, New Orleans, and now I live in, in Amsterdam, which is another city below sea level. So yeah, that's that's a little weird. <laughs> yeah, and, and ironically, here is you know their levy system, their water waste. I mean, it's it's really really unbelievable, and they actually hired the Dutch to come and help build the levees now that are in New Orleans and build the waterways now that you, you see now after, after Hurricane Katrina. So that was a bit of an ironic twist, but, yeah. but anyway, it, and kind of looking at, at that, I was really just, you know, devastated when you go back and, you know, your entire place where you grew up is just gone, right? It's done. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's no longer, it's never going to be the same. Um, and, and we, me and my friend had lived on, uh, the property where, where we used to live in, in a FEMA trailer. And we kind of just walked out every morning and, and it was, you know, it was really a ghost town. It was, it was so, so strange to see it's so quiet and, and calm. And it was just really weird. And it, it's kind of like waking up in the walking dead. Like, I don't know if you ever saw that yeah. <laughs> first episode where the guy walks out and he's just like, what? It was that strange. And so like, now your mind thinks is like, how did we get here? Right. And, and look, there's a, there's a lot of questions around, um, you know, climate change and, and you know, a lot of the poor neighborhoods were, were decimated versus 
you know, right. rich people can or wealthy people can leave and and evacuate where the poor have to stay. And so there's a lot of economic um, things that are involved in that. But at the end of the day, it's really that the citizens were paying taxes for, you know, decades, decades, right, to have United States levy system, right? I mean, the greatest country in the world, right, as, we, as, we're, as we're sort of told in a, in a lot of areas, that really failed us, you yeah. know, and it, it really, it really affected so many lives and still does to this day. But I guess my, my point is, is that it was a, uh, it was something that didn't have to happen. And so as I was looking at that, I was like, okay, if we have a, such a, a great failure of, of a local sort of, of government and, and, you know, a correct allocation of capital to, to protect its citizens, right? It's like, can business do something better, right? And I, and I was looking at that from just Hurricane Katrina lens, but then I also looked at, okay, education. New Orleans is the first city in America to have a completely public charter school system now because they could start from scratch after Katrina, which some will, will say is not, they, you know, charter schools versus, you know, traditional public schools. Everybody's going to have a side on, on the fence that they play on, but at least it's an opportunity to start over, right? And, and so, and so, we look at all these things when you have a, an opportunity to start over as a city or a town or, or, or whatever it may be. I was like, how do we use business or, or different ways of looking at whether it's homelessness, whether it's education, whether it's healthcare, how can we use business to scale that? Because um, governments don't scale efficiently, right? They're usually te- technologically inept in a lot of different areas, so they can't move fast and efficiently very well. But business, there's an incentive to move well and do things right. And so as I was looking at that, these type of things, like how can we solve societal problems through business and through great ideas and innovation? So that was kind of the, the wheels that got spinning. And then as I went down the rabbit hole of, of all this stuff, I started seeing, you know, companies using, you know, fashion very efficiently and, and better to to have everybody kind of knows the one for one model behind Tom's. But through that, there's been so many different companies and brands that have created products that, you know, help their local community. Um, Whether it's one for one underwear that help provide underwear to, you know, women's battered shelters, right? We don't think of that, but people don't donate underwear. And it's a very hygienic thing that that women need, right? And men too, but uh, mostly women. And they, you know, that's just not a, I didn't mess donate it. So, you know, there's brands that come up that help with that issue, right? So through a creation of a business, we can serve a purpose and an impact um, for women in that sense. And then, you know, that brand has gone on to sort of, you know, create jobs for those same women, right? Who, who don't perhaps have the skills and, and sort of been uh, benign by society. You know, they're living in a women's battered shelter, maybe they're, they're down and out, they don't have skills. Well, now they have an opportunity to gain skills, have a job that they love, learn a skill, right? So it's an ecosystem now that, that companies are building around these different, and that's just one example, but that, that's, that's what really got me invigorated and in, in how do we solve these problems, you know, through, through smart business innovations, right? And, and, and ideas around using the movement of money and, and using consumer habits, Right, we all shop. Right, we just need to do it a little better, and, and so that's what got me really excited. Of then just diving into this stuff every day for the last, you know, almost decade now. So it's it's really been uh, an inspiring ride, so and I try to tell all their stories. That's the idea. Yes, 
And it is inspiring. That is for sure. You know, business business is a powerful force. Why not use it for good? Right? <laughs> it's a question. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's it, it, it's a good question because I don't think we we traditionally looked at it from that lens. You know, we, we traditionally looked at business. How can it solve business problems, right? How can new businesses solve current mm-hmm. business problems? Yeah. And that's fine, right? That has done well, right? We have innovated in, in, in many different spaces, you know, and it's just looking at through the lens of how do we solve societal issues through that same lens that brought us, you know, the iPhone, right? Or, or brought us, you know, television and, and, you know, satellite pictures we could see in space, right? Like all these different innovations, um, but we still have veterans living in poverty, right? We still have, you know, our education system is, is very rough in inner cities. We still have um, problems. When I was a kid growing up, it's still there, right? Neighborhoods look exactly the same. So how is that possible yeah. that we can, you know, water in, in certain towns is not sanitary, right? We're talking, we're just talking America. We're not even talking developing countries, yeah. right? So, so we still have a ways to go, but business is really good at moving fast to solve problems instead of, but we just, instead of solving, you know, oh, how can we use our accounting software better and faster, right? To help us ROI, help us with the ROI on our business. How can we use that same mentality and perhaps even that same technology to, you know, have, have our, you know, healthcare system work better or have a homeless d- database where we can, you know, efficiently place people in, in, in different jobs or skill sets or use it, you know, for education purposes and, or healthcare records, right? There's all these different dynamics where we, we, we need to implement this, uh, these innovations into that space. So we're going to take our midpoint break here. And in just a moment, we will be back with Grant Trahant. And I'd really like to uh, ask this question next, you know, uh, coming up, we'll find out why Grant is in Amsterdam. <laughs> this is uh-huh. hard stock. We'll be right back in a moment. Heartstock Radio. Thanks so much for listening. Today we're speaking with Grant Trahant, and uh, he's the founder of Cause Artist, does several podcasts, and uh, has an impact investing website also. And Grant, um, how does a how does a fellow from New Orleans find himself in Amsterdam? <laughs> Well, there's a there's a quick story and a longer story, and I'll try to make it medium sized story. Uh, but born and raised in, in New Orleans, and and bounced around a lot, uh, California, Mississippi, Florida, a lot of places, and, and settled in, in in Kansas City, and that's where I went, met my wife. Uh, and, and so we've been living in Kansas City for the last decade. Uh, and then uh, my wife got a call and and a uh, an opportunity to to move out here for her her job, and uh, I I can work cause our I can work you know on cause ours from anywhere right so uh, so a, a little bit of of marriage advice is 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 you know 
probably don't move halfway across across the world during a global pandemic. So we moved. We moved in uh, January of 2020. So New Year's Day, we were in the sky in 2020 and and, and moved to to Amsterdam. So it's been uh, be really really crazy to to see the world from a, from a different point of view, especially during these wild times. Um, but yeah, it's been, uh, so, so yeah, her, her job took us here and I've got to meet really, really some innovative people here in, in the Netherlands and, and across Europe. There's, there's, there's a lot going on around impact investing and also sustainable technology and sustainable fashion. And there's a, there's a lot of interesting things looking at it from the, from their lens, right? A different culture, different languages, they have different issues and different problems, right? So looking to see how they solve things has been really interesting. It's something that uh, I'm blessed to, to have the opportunity to do, you know, so. And there are several questions that I have kind of around this, but wow, what a great opportunity. Um, it sounds so exciting. And, you know, I've asked this question of other folks before, does it seem that Europe is ahead of the United States in this whole sustainability journey? That's that's one question. And then, you know, how do we scale this? You you mentioned this before, you know, tackling these issues in the United States or Europe is one thing, but then how do we how do we scale it to places like India where maybe the majority of the people don't even have electricity at this point? Yeah, I think the first one is that being here they really invest in mobility like really, really well, like their government tools, so to speak. So transportation, government websites, <laughs> government applications, government buildings. You really see the difference of where their money their money is invested in, right? Because all those facilities are beautiful. Like public transportation here is insanely incredible. The apps that they use and the websites like really work well that's just allocating money into certain things and, and having it work, right? That's not like an innovative thinking thing. They're just doing what they should do, right? They're, they're kind of just doing their jobs. And, and then in, in other systems, like healthcare here is just different, right? It's not better, so to say, it's just different how they do things. And, and so I, I would say that they're better at investing in things and uh, using their tax dollars like more efficiently. Um Whereas in America, like we all hate going to like the DMV or trying to pay something online or a government website or, you know, public transportation is not pro- is not what it should be. Like there's just little things that you see differently just from that lens. And, and that's to me, that's that's everything. Right. When you, you invest your your citizens dollars well and allocate it correctly, like that's a really big deal. So so I, I definitely tip my hat. To, to them for that. Um, as far as like sustainability, I I would say in some areas for sure around sort of like energy um, and really sort of issues where the government plays a role. Like I think they're definitely more ahead of the game and, and they, they, they're starting to allocate capital more for climate technology and, and different things around climate specifically. Um, but the U.S. I think is is probably further along in products, right? So, you know, accessories in fashion, right? Sustainable ethical fashion. I think I think actually the U.S. is probably ahead just because I think they have more startup founders doing many more things. So that part I think the U.S. is ahead from a product standpoint. 
but I think Europe is ahead in the government looking at how they can use their their revenue that they get from taxpayers to make an impact on society. I think it's just a different thought process where if they say, hey, the market will do it, businesses will do it. If consumers want it, businesses will do it, which is true, right? But it doesn't mean that the government can't play a, an efficient role as well and a good partner in, you know, stewarding, you know, certain things around innovation and, you know, mobility. Um, so, so I think both are different. Um, and some, I think U.S. does some things better. The market, they, they let the, the entrepreneurs and startups uh, kind of do their thing, which is really good because there's a lot of creativity in that. And then I think here the spearheading is really, you know, the government. They they actually launched a uh, a fund where I think it's a hundred million dollar fund where they're investing in uh, startups. They're actually using taxpayer dollars to um, invest in companies. So then the taxpayers would, if those companies deem are successful, the taxpayers would reap the benefits from that, right? So there that that type of stuff I really like, and it, it's a really interesting and innovative way to look at it. And, and so I think taking those those type of of innovative risk, <laughs> I think is, uh, is really interesting. You know, we'll see how it goes, but you know, again, it's, uh, it's, I think it's a good step. And how, how do we scale this? I mean, you know, that's, yeah, that, that, and, and that's, <laughs> and that's really what, and that's really what I like to focus on more than anything, because we can scale, like, Usually the people, usually the countries and the people who get all the nice shiny thing stuff are the ones who can afford it, right? So how do we make uh, ethical and sustainable fashion, like affordable, right? How do we make climate change or investing in climate change work for, you know, people in New York City and people in, you know, New Delhi or Uganda, right? So as, as certain areas of the world, like you said, don't have, you know, water, clean water or electricity, clean electricity that, that really works well. Like India, you mentioned before, land rights is sort of a big issue in India, right? So how do we use technology, specifically like blockchain, to put land land rights on an open ledger where people know what they own and they can't it cannot be taken from them, whether it's from a company, whether it's from, you know, even a family member, right? Or it's from right. like the government. Like there's there's things happening uh around small things that we don't think of, right? Banking is a huge thing in the developing world, right? How do we, how do we get banking services to people li- living in, you know, rural parts of the world? And so like in a lot of ways, the developing world is, is really moving quite fast with mobile payments and mobile money and, and the unbanked being, you know, banked, so to speak, um, where that's actually moving much more efficiently because they can, they can start start from nothing, right? They don't. They're not. They're not starting from like institutional banks in America, right? Where innovation is really slow because um, they don't necessarily need to do it, right, or, or want to do it because they kind of have not monopoly, but like there's just not a lot of players in, in the game. You know, when you go to a place that doesn't have like any banks, you can start from scratch and try to build something through mobile apps, through mobile money. So that's really really interesting, and I think there's a little bit of an advantage there that they can kind of start at scratch with the best technology humanity has ever had. Right. So that's a, it's, it's a really interesting place to be in now, if you, you still got to implement it all right. Right. So there's, there's ways it could go, go wrong for sure. But I think 
starting at a point to where you have the tools now, right? And you, you, you have the ability to go on a Zoom call, you know, with somebody in Uganda and somebody from, you know, Los Angeles to talk about, you know, certain things, right? Or certain developments that they see and, and get advice and, and just give different thoughts from different parts of the world. You know, somebody in Sweden can talk to, you know, somebody in Mexico or something, right? And they can talk about certain things. Mm-hmm. That is Solution. a crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so now we have the ability of, of mobile money and the transfer of payments to be global very fast, very quick, very efficient. We have the ability of a founder to do their website from a firm in, you know, Morocco or something, right? If they, if they want to do that, you know, so that's a really, really amazing time to, to be alive and to be able to like think of different ways to, to be creative and do things. And going back to, to the product thing, I talked to so many founders where the ability for a U.S. consumer to walk into a grocery store, right, and buy, you know, coffee from, you know, a fair trade supplier in, in Colombia or buy skincare and beauty products, you know, from a place in Kenya, you know, from a woman's co-op in Kenya, right? Those things are powerful. Those things change lives. Those things change generational lives for communities where the U.S. consumer or European consumer or Mexican consumer or an Asian consumer, right, can buy something from, you know, a fair trade co-op, right? Or whatever it may be that they think is is ethical and and sustainable and, and they want to support that, you know, they're going to buy those products anyway. Uh, but now we have the ability to search and find and discover things that we never had the chance to discover before. So we have a chance to us as consumers to spend money more responsibly, you know, I believe, and more effectively for the economy. It, it's really, really powerful. And so that's kind of what the stories that I've been fortunate to tell and, and talk to founders and, and distribute content like that around the world. It's hard to kind of say like the power that that has when you can buy something from a store and it affects somebody halfway across the world. Now that kid gets the surgery on their eye, right? That kid gets to go to primary school, right? Th- this is small things, right? But it's, it's powerful things that, you know, a generation of, of people have not had because, you know, the only way that they can survive is drop out of school and work, right? And now that's, it's, it's different when their mom can, you know, make shea butter or something like that, you know, be part of a co-op, get paid for it. Now her son or daughter can, can go to school because she has a consistent job because a U.S. consumer buys shea butter, loves it, but want to buy it from a fair trade company, right? An organic company. Um, so like, that's really good. That's like a really powerful way to look at, you know, globalization as a, as a good and powerful thing. And then the opposite side of that is sort of the, you know, the exploitation of labor, right? From developing countries, right? Where you don't have, you know, those fair trade labels, you don't, you have fast fashion, right? That destroys the environment and also exploits their workers, Right. And we've seen the detriment of, of globalization when you talk about exploitation versus looking at globalization through the lens of, you know, like a, a fair trade company or, you know, somebody that's certified organic. You know, 
those are those are things we need to learn as consumers of of how our how our purchasing power affects the world. And I know that's like really weird to think about, but that's, that's actually so what it does. Yeah. So, how might folks find you, Grant? This is uh, very exciting stuff. So, <laughs> I, I try to keep it as easy as possible. <laughs> it's just at Cause Artist, pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then me personally, it's just at my name. So at Grant Trahan, pretty much anywhere. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy to find me and, and reach out. I try to make it as easy as possible. <laughs> well, we shall be following your endeavors with great excitement and anticipation. This has uh, been great. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This is Artstock. And as usual, we shall see you next week. In the meantime, peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. California.